Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Market Theory, where my good friend Dave James and myself try our best to demystify the crazy world of finance. With every episode, we hope to bring you a little bit closer to understanding how these markets work, because if you're not making money in your sleep, then you're not making money. In today's podcast, we discuss black swan events and how these unforeseen circumstances can have major effects on our world markets. I'm Nick Buford, he's Dave James, and this is Market theory. All right, so we're back for another one. This one's called Black Swan Events, which I've never heard of before. Um, and before I kick it over to you, Dave, I'm just going to ask sort of an obvious question, but I'm assuming they're called black swan because typically swans are white, meaning that these are rare, correct? <laughs> yes. Okay. That, you nailed it on the hey, head. Hey, man, I just wanted to make sure. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, so let's dive into this thing because I know they've been sort of rattling the markets uh, this week and, and this year and last year as well, so... Let's sort of let everybody in on the secret. What's what's going on? What are these things? Yeah. So, so again, this is uh, one of these crazy New York City stock market terms like dead cat bounces and blood in the streets and black swans. Uh, so a black swan event is essentially something that rattles the market, maybe causes a correction, causes a bunch of volatility. It's an event that nobody saw was coming that hits the market and is is bad. It's a bad event, right. essentially. And so there's a lot of different types of black swan events, uh, but we've had a few of them already kind of trickle their head this year, okay. which is causing some different alarm bells. And what, I guess just for reference for people, what are some major ones that have happened in the past that they would recognize? Right. So back in uh, 2008, uh, we had the mortgage crisis. So you mm -hmm. had all these toxic mortgage-backed securities, and, uh, and and nobody really saw that coming. And again, a black swan event usually is, in hindsight, you everybody goes, oh, we should have saw this coming. You know, We should have saw the tech wreck of the, the dot-com bubble coming. We right. should have saw the mortgage-backed security issue coming. Uh, then there's other peer black swan events, like last year in 2020, we had COVID hit. That's a plague. You can't really plan for a plague hitting. Right. So what's, uh, what sort of events are going on right now that are, that are causing all these uh, crazy fluctuations in our markets today? Yeah, so this is actually why I wanted to do this specific podcast because this has uh, become one of the new landmines out there in the stock market that could hit anybody's stock at anybody's time. And uh, it's, it's been the big event of uh, you know, the talk on the street and it's this Archeo, Ar Archegos, <laughs> nobody can say it right, Archegos. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, an, an Asian family office, uh, which is a not an institutional, it's not like a hedge fund, so they don't report the same way hedge funds and everything do. It's more acts like a retail investor, so you can fly under the radar. Family pooling their money together. Yeah, but they can have hundreds of billions of dollars, so they can be larger than some hedge funds, but not have to report 
anything that a hedge fund does. So they can literally nobody knows what's going on with this. Right. So they could be a, su- a super wealthy family that's pooling all their money together to do a bunch of massive trades, but n- nobody's necessarily able to pay attention because they're not a quote unquote uh, fund. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, Bill Wang is is the guy behind this, and he was previously of Tiger Asia Management, and he actually pled guilty to wire fraud related to insider trading 10 years ago. Oh, sweet. And he was blacklisted from different prime brokers like Goldman Sachs. Uh, so this guy already had a really bad track record, and it's really surprising. And somehow that, like, slipped in there anyway. Yeah, and so it, it, it all popped off when basically two weeks ago, a Credit Suisse, a European bank, did a de-risking uh, evaluation assessment, and they realized we need to force a $20 billion margin call on Bill Wang. Because it was just too risky. It was it was too risky. They they have to de-risk their everything that's going on in their whole bank portfolio. And so fill people in really quick on what exactly a margin call is, because I don't think a lot of people know. Right. So you can borrow money from your brokerage account from banks on margin. And so usually the way it works uh, for a regular trader would be, you know, if you have ten thousand dollars in your brokerage account the broker trader will give you a $10,000 margin. So then on like a weekly basis, you can actually double the amount of your principal, the cash that you have to invest on margin. But then if you lose the money, you have to pay it back. And so that's a margin call is when it's like... When they're asking uh, for it back. Yeah, it's it's the loan shark basically going, time to pay me. Pay up, buddy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so when when this happened, I mean... Again, this is just like another, it's showing cracks in the armor of the market where this event, this giant margin call caused a chain reaction of, of, of everything, which caused all these block trading. And so a block trade, and this is how I usually trade is in a block trade, but they're small blocks. Uh, these were gigantic blocks. So it's just meaning you're, you're you know, giant chunks of stock at one time is like a block. So when we're talking about block trades from someone with this much money, that means that it's going to fluctuate the market quite a bit when he's having to sell off a bunch of stocks in order to pay back his margin call, correct? Right, yeah. And, and a block trade is uh, a group of stocks all being sold at once. Uh, and so this is, this is common. You, you'll get blocks, but not a liquidation event. So blocks of stocks meaning one single stock but many shares or different actual companies? Yes, yes, okay. yes, exactly. So it's, you know, somebody's selling $3 billion of one stock. Gotcha. We're like, okay. whoa. Right, so, I which mean, is obviously going to change the price. Yeah, and that's why the volume on the chart when you look at, you know, the past 10, 15 years of the normal volume of these block trades, that Friday, it spikes so high that it just makes all the rest of the volume look like nothing ever happened. It's, it, it, it's, it's amazing. It, it has to be at least the largest single volume day of block trades going through. So it was somebody liquidating tens of billions of dollars, like just liquidating everything. And that's when Goldman Sachs even had to come in and go, okay, we're going to remove you from the block list because they, people, 
these banks had to move these block trades around. So it's not just like, you know, an everyday person. They it's couldn't like, ban them anymore because there was too much money floating around. Yeah, so they, they took them off the block list. Uh, and so the, the different prime brokers involved here in America were Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley that were shopping around these blocks. Uh, who wants to buy th this large amount of stock? Right. And then it's, the, the main problem was these European banks of Credit Suisse and Numora. Um, so even though this was a Asian trader in a family office going through a European bank, it still it hit caused us. it caused the U.S. stock CBS Viacom to go down fifty percent in two days. So I mean, this is this and is that because he was selling off Viacom or Viacom companies? Yeah, he so he had stock actually in Viacom. So okay. some of the different stocks involved were uh, like GSX, Tex, uh, Discovery, uh, Tencent Music, Baidu, and Viacom. Uh, and so you just saw huge amount of volume in all these stocks, which instantly caused every trader to go, "What is going on here?" Right, because that's uh, not something that you would be able to necessarily tell from technical analysis or any. Well, sort that of... is the technical analysis is you're seeing the volume that's going on. So I, I think it was like Viacom obviously was one that caught everybody's eye. Discovery, uh, which is you know another uh, streaming right. service here in U.S. and Tencent Music was Tencent Music was almost like really the one where like, whoa, the volume here is like hundreds of times larger than it's ever been ever what what is going on gotcha this, you know yeah i guess i meant more like technical analysis if you're trying to look into the future you wouldn't be able to tell that this was happening hence oh, why no. it's the, called the, black yeah, swan no. yeah exactly exactly right. this is this is when the stock charge is a big boop, oh crap yeah 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 and 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 again back to just how this flies under the radar not only is it a family office which isn't regulated but he was doing swaps which in the nature of a swap, which is where like the bank holds your stock and you get the premium, is designed for people to be unknown and be able to do those things. That's the whole purpose. It's like naked shorting where you don't nobody knows who naked shorts. Nobody knows who's doing these swaps. And so it's it's created again. I mean, there's just a landmine out there now where what other family office around the world linked to whatever you know, somebody in Singapore who has a Brazilian bank and is trading American stocks suddenly, you know, some random S&P 500 stock loses 50% of its value in two days. So it's it's a valid black swan event to be careful of. And But this type of event would most likely be a buying event if you own that stock. So if you own Viacom and you saw it go down 50% in two days because of this, I would have bought that with both hands. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because you're getting it at a massive discount. Right. Yeah. <laughs> a, a massive discount. Yeah. It's, it's on sale. And, and look, and it's fire sale. You know, margin call and all these different things, you know, you know, again, where you, you're owing somebody the money back. They're lending you the money. You're getting it on margin. That's leverage. You're I can't believe that leverage. they can lend people billions of dollars, though. That just blows my mind. Well, but if you have billions, that's why, again, it's usually a one-to-one -one ratio. So if you've got $20 billion, they'll, they'll float you $20 billion. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, but that, that's how it works. I mean, and leverage So you can is, lose twice as much. Yeah, and that's why you don't, especially as a, as a new trader, you don't want to be getting triple levered and you know doing all these different things. I mean, Charlie Munger, 
who's the number two person at Berkshire and Hathaway, Warren Buffett. You know, it's Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger at Berkshire and Hathaway. But Charlie Munger's great quote on like, what is the the best way to lose money in life is liquor, ladies, and leverage. Mm-hmm. Because somebody's so, going to call you on your leverage eventually. Exactly, uh, and you know, and right now, Janet Yellen and the uh, the, the U.S. Treasury uh, they announced that now they're they're investigating um, this whole, you know, oh, some different family offices. So they're looking into okay, ooh, now we need to start looking at what family offices have a lot of money. You can't really find out a lot of this information, but you can start investigating and at least going like, okay, you know what family offices have billions of dollars let's start looking at them because maybe they've been leveraging up and they could blow out on a margin call and have to liquidate everything and then so i know i'm sure anybody that pays attention to the news would have heard of the uh the suez canal being blocked this last week a huge (laughs) cargo ship getting stuck and costing tons and tons of money um, because of blocking the main shipping lane th- through Europe, basically, from from Asia to Europe. So uh, can you go over that just a little bit, just so we can understand, I mean, how much money was actually lost and, and what, what happened surrounding all of that? I mean, obviously, sort of another act of God, you know, so to speak, like nobody nobody would ever see that coming, kind of like COVID. So, you know, what what did that cause in the market? Yeah, just like another Archegos. Uh, b- before this, everybody was talking about the container ships stuck in the Suez Canal. And so this is one of the massive, the biggest container ships. So this container ship is as long as the Empire State Building is tall. It is massive. It is stacked high with all these containers. Um, it, it, it's just, they're extremely massive. And the Suez Canal is... is pretty old and there's this stretch that is really narrow right but it's like of a, course it's like a one ship lane i think oh right? it's a one it's definitely a one ship lane and it's always been a one ship lane but it's it's like imagine you know they built the road for a motorcycle and then along came a semi truck well the lane was not designed for a semi truck to go through there and so this canal is pretty tight and so it's very they, there's not a lot of room on these super massive containers to go through that being said, none has crashed and got stuck. Uh, until now. Until now. Uh, but and nobody's really sure how. Some, or some well, I are think I read something about winds wind. and stuff. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so it was, it was kind Somebody of Somebody fell asleep uh, at the wheel. Somebody had too much well, to drink was, that it was, day. It, it wasn't great conditions, so the visibility wasn't very good. There was wind coming, and you got somebody got too close to the side and then just totally went and got dislodged and then blocked the entire uh, shipping canal for an entire week. Uh, they had to call out the salvage crew and come out there. And I mean, it, it was a huge ordeal. Uh, yeah, I saw pictures of it where they had excavators literally digging out the sides of the canal trying to get this thing free. Yeah. And the yeah. excavators were like, I mean, a pinprick compared to how big this ship was. It was pretty well. Oh, it, no, it, it, Exactly. And, you know, uh, this caused tons of, I mean, one of the major things that goes to the Suez Canal is oil. It's coming from the, the Middle East and it's going up into to Europe and onto America and whatever. Uh, and so a lot of these ships had to start rerouting all the way around the Horn of Africa. Uh, and at the end, 
of one week of just the ship blocking this one crucial uh, you know waterway cost around fifty nine billion dollars. So you know that's how much money was lost by by materials not being able to pass through. just in in everything everything all happening you know because obviously this was a container ship so yeah. this could have been carrying you know Porsche Porsche cars to you know or, or whatever you know mm-hmm. uh, it could have been carrying anything but again it disrupted a lot of the oil market and so what was the actual real black swan event here was disrupting oil where you wouldn't you know it, it's the same thing if uh war goes on you know and somebody tries to blockade you know one of these shipping routes that would be a black swan event to to like oil or something like this this was just a ship getting stuck right and it disrupted the entire oil market 60 billion dollar mistake yeah that's wild yeah so um i mean just to divert here for a second uh, you know how should everyday people like you and me sort of view these things i mean is is there you know i mean obviously we should you know it's kind of like a metaphor for life you don't want to necessarily plan you don't you you want to prepare for the worst but you don't necessarily want to plan for the worst but i mean is there anything sort of to look out for when these things trigger movements in the market as far as you know are there ways to sort of read into it and go, uh oh, Viacom's crashing and this is why. Let's pull out now and buy in at the bottom. I mean, is there any sort of recommendations you have for people when these kinds of things come up? Well, again, there are things that they're not known. So probably the number one thing to do is not sell in a black swan event. Oh, okay. And rather view it as a buying opportunity. Gotcha. Uh, you want to, how do you prepare for it? That's why well, you, you can't because you can't see it. Coming, well, no, but. well, you stay diversified and you want to have uh, liquid uh, assets available, you know, so whether quickly converting to cash, yeah, whether that's just cash or, or whatever that you can actually use to, to, you know, take advantage of the situation. And, 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 and again, uh, with the Suez Canal, it's, it's also calling into question are these ships just too big? Do, are, is, is the risk now? Too big that like okay, or we could have another one, and this could just become an ongoing. This exact ship actually had the same problem up in some other port or waterway in Europe, where it got like stuck. So this is this is like the second time that this exact same ship. Right, they're trying to cut corners and save money by by building them bigger, but it makes you not, question the crew there a little bit too. So yeah, uh, but <laughs> they're trying to cut corners and save money by building ships bigger to to transfer more product but at the end of the day they're costing themselves and other people billions of dollars because they're because now they're just messing with nature and getting stuck yeah so an, an expert was uh, on the subject was saying that he would he would probably expect to see some shippers starting to look at getting s- the smaller ships not going with these giant aircraft carriers and more of like you know battleship size, right? Well, ships. pay yeah, pay for twice the crew and half size the ship, and it's not that much extra money. Yeah, yeah, but again, basically, don't sell in Black Swan events. Yeah, like don't, Viacom, don't just like Viacom, everything else. Don't panic. <laughs> that, well, that's why it's yeah. Don't panic. Find out what why is your stock going down? What is happening? So then, if you realized, oh, okay, it was this whole Archegos and Bill Wong and you know and all these different things, you realize, oh. Well, this is a great buying opportunity. My stock just went on sale for fifty percent. Right. Yeah, and Viacom's a huge company. I mean, that's obviously going to be worth a ton of money in the future. 
Yeah. So what other, I know you mentioned a few to me before, but what other events are coming this uh, year or sort of brewing, um, you know, that might be something to watch out for as far as possible upcoming Black Swan events? Yeah, so there's been a few that have been, literally these have been on the list for years and years and years and years. Uh, one is Taiwan and the South China Sea and um, an escalation uh, something there uh, between the U.S. And, and China over Taiwan or over the South China Sea. Uh, a- another one is obviously Iran uh, in their nuclear program and, and what they could do and if they strike Israel and then if we have to step in there. Uh, so uh, Taiwan and, and, and Iran have, have just been on the top of the list of everybody's black swan events. For a while. Uh, yeah, these are these are almost like World War Three events. They're yeah, like I mean, we've extreme been, Black Swan events. Yeah, Iran's been on our radar since before I was born. Right, right. But there's, there's. I mean, this year, obviously, the COVID variants uh, are, are are scary. Uh, right, because be- we just don't know. It's like hopefully the hopefully everybody gets vaccinated soon enough, and hopefully those vaccines work. But yeah, well, and we hopefully just, the vaccines work against the variants. Right? Could there be? You know, it looks like they work against the variants now. But so are far, there other yeah. variants that we don't know about that could pop up? Uh, yeah. So that's obviously one, and just the vaccination rate. I mean, look, Europe is having a horrible time. France is just France is like dropping the ball here. I mean, it, yeah, I heard they had to shut down again. And but a lot of Germany has had to. So there's been a lot of different lockdowns. Uh, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. The U.S. is after the transition to power. The U.S. is now taking the front step of like this is the way to actually get it done and do it right and right. actually exceed goals. You know, uh, and get people all vaccinated. I mean, by July fourth, everybody in America who wants to be vaccinated should be vaccinated. So yeah. by July fourth. We can sit there and tally up, okay, whoever is left that's not been vaccinated, that's an anti-vaxxer. And so now, okay, we, we need to figure out how to get those people to right. choose to be vaccinated. Uh, and so why would that, why would something like that affect the markets? Because it has nothing to do with finance. Does it just scare people enough that they want to well, pull it, their like, money like out? I said, like I said, nine, how 9-11 affected the markets and everything, you know, uh, it affected the airlines right away right, and, right. and stuff like that. So it, it could cause, you know, a, a different volatility and things. Gotcha. Uh, but, but again, the, the thing that's always been on my mind before all of this stuff, uh, all the way back in 2019, when the two to the 10 treasury spread, so the two year treasury and the 10 year spread inverted in yield. So it went negative. That is the telltale sign that you're going to go into recession. And the feds had to come in and start backing the uh, the repo market. Uh, and so these are a bunch of technical stuff. We don't have to go. We'll go into these and other ones. But basically, there was a credit crisis brewing where you could see there was a lot of different companies out there that were going to go bankrupt. That you know, And this is like back to companies like GameStop and Blockbuster and things like that, you know, where it's like, there was just it. We're we're moving into the future, and there's certain companies that are just getting left behind. We're moving on. We're changing the way we do things, uh, and so there was a real credit crisis coming that was going to cause a recession, and the market already knew it was going to happen. But then the black swan event of COVID hit, and then the Fed stepped in and did more quantitative easing, where they buy assets. 
uh, whether they're buying bonds or like in 2009, buying mortgage-backed securities, it propped up the market and papered over the cracks of all of these bad companies because suddenly the Fed was like, oh, no, don't worry, we'll, we'll buy your debt. So it's sort of like another bailout. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Which, yeah, we all know how the last one turned out. And so out. when the Fed, but when Fed suddenly takes that backstop away and when the Fed, the Fed says, we're no longer the buyer of the last resort, oh, well, now these companies are going to go bankrupt. So right now they haven't gone bankrupt, but that doesn't mean in a year or two, the future, if they yeah. don't, if they don't, you know, transition, if, if GameStop doesn't completely do a chewish, chewification of their company and go completely digital and do something completely different than what they're doing now, they'll go bankrupt. Right. And so a lot of companies are out in the same, same boat as GameStop. And so when you say buyer of last resort, when you're talking about the Fed being the buyer of last resort, that's essentially saying that so many people are selling off that the Fed has to step in and buy these things to sort of stabilize the market, right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And that's what that's why I never even saw, realized we, that they did that. So Right. And that's why we saw the steep sell off in March of last year in the stock market. And then the Fed five days later stepped in and then boom. I wish I'd bought Fed, that dip. Right. I did yeah. I was just so freaked out like everybody else. I wasn't even paying attention. I mean, I was buying the dip. <laughs> well, I'm, yeah, I'm sure you were, but I'm sure a lot of smart people were. Yeah, I, may, 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 I, may, I might have made a little bit of coin <laughs> last year. Uh, but yeah, no. I, I mean, pulled all the, but, my resources just so I could pay but it, my rent. But, it's, but it, it, it screwed a lot of people over, including oh, yeah. Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett didn't even have time because he, he's, he's a big player. He comes in and like, I buy an entire company type thing. And the Fed stepped in so fast to say, we're going to be the buyer of last resort. We're going to backstop everything that then the market just took off from then and it didn't give somebody like Warren Buffett even enough time to go use billions of dollars to buy at the bottom. He completely missed the entire event. So don't feel bad if you're a retail trader and you missed last year's <laughs> the dip. smartest Warren guy Buffett. in investing missed. Yeah, yeah. He missed it. So Okay. You know. Interesting. Right on. Well I think we covered a lot of stuff. Uh, a lot of stuff that I have never heard of. Um, and I'm sure liquor I'm ladies sure. and leverage. <laughs> What you said it earlier before we started recording. What what do we call these events? Black swans. <laughs> there you go. Cool. Well, I hope that you listeners at home and wherever you are have a little bit better understanding of what these all are. I mean, we'll we'll keep touching on them in fu- future episodes as they come up. But I think hopefully this at least shines a little bit of light on uh, you know what these things are. And obviously we've gone over it, but you know these are good things to potentially plan for um or sorry not plan for prepare for these are these are good things to prepare for uh but not necessarily plan for and it's always you know it's always a good idea not to panic when things like this happen don't panic sell you know plan to sell if you want to sell and and make your uh you know make your decisions based on that but don't ever don't ever take these sort of situations look at you know, when COVID crashed, when COVID crashed the market in, in March, I mean, a lot of people probably panic sold and then a bunch of people bought at the bottom and it went back up and now we're higher than we've ever been, you know, a year later. So these are these types of things to look out for and sort of try to take advantage of in the moment, but definitely not panic and uh, lose anything over. So hopefully now that you know about them and know what they are, it'll give you maybe a little more level head uh, when going into these things. So is there anything else you want to add, Dave, before we sign off? 
Yeah, definitely don't panic. And as the saying goes, buy when there's blood on the streets, even if it's your own. (laughs) Okay. Well, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. We really appreciate it. We hope you learned something today. We hope you enjoyed what you hear. And please, as always, if you have any questions or suggestions, please uh, feel free to reach out to us at info at markettheorypodcast.com. Take care, guys, and we'll see you next time.